Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast, right here on arsblog.oleole.com. Ahead of what is going to be a very intense weekend of football, well, uh, the bit between 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Sunday, that's going to be intense. The rest of it, what well, is going to be hype and build-up and drums, and, and Arsenal fans don't need a great deal of stirring up, do we? You know, when it comes to Chelsea, there's not a great deal of love lost. I mean, there isn't the same history of rivalry like there is against uh, Tottenham or Liverpool or Manchester United, but the nouveau riche Chelsea and their chavy ways has created a, a rivalry which is quite intense. Uh, and the fact that they seem to beat us quite a lot in important games and cup finals and semi-finals and things like that. And, of course, the fact that their team is absolutely chock-a-block with the biggest cunts of all time. John Terry and Didier Drogba and that left-back fellow who will be back and who I hope will get an intense reception from the Arsenal fans. People might say, oh, it's all in the past, we should get over it. No, hatred is good. We can use our hatred to make noise, to encourage our team. So that's all to come. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to the team news and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as well as that, it's a bit Irish-tastic, this Irish cast, because um, with me in a few moments' time will be comedian and writer, TV presenter, columnist for The Guardian, Arsenal fan and Irishman. Did I say that already? I think I did. Dara O'Brien will be on the show in a little bit. Uh, also, Sylvester's here. We'll be looking at why it is that everyone else thinks Chelsea are reprehensible and filthy and, and horrible and thoroughly dislikable, but Chelsea fans don't. What, what's going on there? Some scientific analysis from our uh, favourite professor will be along too. Also, uh, a Savile Rogue scarf to give away with thanks to my good friends at Savile Rogue, uh, as well as the winner of last week's Savile Rogue scarf, which is, of course, from Savile Rogue. 100% cashmere, you know, and don't forget, up until December the 6th, uh, you can get a 10% discount by using the code ARSBLOG at checkout. So if you're going to buy some Christmas presents, uh, you can get those uh, brilliant scarves and 10% off by using the code ARSBLOG at checkout. Now, since the last ARSCast, what's happened? Well, up and down. Good and bad, you would have to say. Last Saturday was not the good. It was the bad. Because we lost away from home. Uh, and the game, maybe we got a bit unlucky. The whole... Uh, they only had one shot on goal, and it went in, and we lost the game. It only happens once every 200 games, said Arsenal. Seems to happen quite a bit to us. That, you know, 
they get one shot on goal and it goes in and we have a load of shots and none of them go in. Either we're really wasteful or every other team in this league is lethal when it comes to their chances to goal ratio. Yes, they got lucky. The guy standing there had no clue when it hit off his leg and rolled into the path of Darren Bent, but then neither did our defenders or our goalkeeper. Darren Bent put it away and a 1-0 defeat we couldn't win away from home again and that's a bit of a worry three away defeats and you know maybe we're just a little bit not as good away from home as we should be because at home we're brilliant 11 wins out of 11 at home this season the grove is a fortress we're scoring goal after goal after goal but away from home we've lost three times in the league and that's just maybe a little bit of a worry i think and particularly as we all wondered what would happen if we didn't score because we've been Averaging, I think, I think uh, three goals a game this season. And when we don't score, can we hold out? Can we keep a clean sheet and at least get a point? The answer, unfortunately, was no. So it's a little bit of a worry. Um, but hopefully something we can put right in the weeks ahead. Midweek, though, uh, much better. Uh, qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League for the 10th successive season. I'm not sure how many teams have done that. I think I read somewhere in the past that only... only Three other teams have done it. I could be wrong. Because I tend to remember things that haven't actually happened. Or I think things once. And then it lodges in the back of my brain as if I read it in the Daily Mirror or something. Uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a great record. A 2-0 win over Standard Liège. Um, good goal from Samir Nasri. Um, lethal finish. I thought that was a brilliant finish on the half volley. And then Denilson's Thunderbolt from 30 yards, which moved all over the place. Um, the only downside, of course, was the uh, the injury to Kieran Gibbs, which means we're a little bit lightweight in the left-back position, I have to say. little bit all over the place. Because uh, Traore, <clears throat> I'm not sure. He got pulled all over the place against Sunderland, who are a decent side. But when you're playing a really, really good side like Chelsea, and we are playing them on Sunday, I think I might have mentioned that, uh, it would be really worrying to see where he might end up on the pitch or, you know, how exposed he gets the other option of course is Sylvester who might be needed at center half if uh, Gallus doesn't recover from his injuries and that is scary in itself paranormal activity uh, made on a budget of $25,000 whatever it is -uh. Sylvester for a budget of £700,000 is far more scary uh, particularly when you consider who he's going to be playing against if he plays. Uh, maybe we could switch around and play Abue or Sanya at left-back, but uh, that's all to come. We'll be looking at team news ahead of uh, the Chelsea game a little bit later on in the show, and uh, other stuff too, of course. Now, I said this was going to be a fairly Irish show, and uh, my next guest is fairly Irish. In fact, I would go so far as to say he is completely Irish. Comedian, writer, TV presenter, all those things. He's loads of things. He's about six things. Which is a little bit greedy, if you ask me, but never mind. I'm only a couple of things, but you know, I've got time. Uh, Dara O'Brien, welcome to the Arscast. How are you, Will? I'm very well, thank you. Um, we're about the same age, you and I. I'm curious as to how you became an Arsenal fan, because when I was a young man, I, I lived in England, and it was the attraction of the Irish players, I think, that... That, uh, that brought me to be a, a, an Arsenal fan yourself? was Did that have a, a, a part to play? Enormously, although, although I have at this stage cultivated a story just to piss off hardcore fans, 
where I say, if they say, how did you become? I go, well, when I got on the telly, I had a bit of money. I thought I should pick a team and I've always loved the color red. Uh, and that's just to irritate the real hardcore, you, where were you when fans to get on my pitch anyway. No, when I was uh, eight, it was Terry Neal's manager and it was seven Irish players uh, in the squad for the 1980 Africa final. But it was like, it was when it was Bra- uh, Brady, obviously, uh, Brady Stapo uh, and, uh, and Jennings. And I say this to O'Leary, I met O'Leary once in the way that you bump into these people, I met O'Leary once and I, and I did that gushing thing mm. that you do. Uh, and uh, he, and I said, oh, it's a seven Irish. And he kind of went, I don't think Sammy Nelson would like to regard as Irish. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, yeah, there was that. I mean, I think uh, at that age, you, you didn't know that you weren't supposed to like those guys, you know? Yeah, exactly. We weren't aware. There was no green and orange. It was just red. Uh, so, they, so they all got put in. But it was, it was astonishingly Nick-tastic, the team at the time. Mm. The, uh, and then, you know, Graham came in and basically killed them all out. Although, you know, I think I've said this a number of times before, they, of, of the greatest betrayals of my life, Stapleton going to United was, was the one that hurt most. Yeah, I I'm, I remember um, I was going to bring up Liam Brady going to to Juventus because I, I, that that hurt me. Eva. I think I was about eight or nine when when that happened. But I was just thinking, imagine if we had to go through that kind of thing nowadays because there wasn't the same coverage of football. You didn't have the blanket yeah. coverage on website. Imagine going the torture of three years of transfer rumors about Liam Brady going to Juventus now. Jesus, yeah, um, and then but then when it goes to disappearing. Just gone. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, occasionally they see a photograph of him in a in a black and white striped top, uh, as opposed to the following Tuesday seeing Cesc <laughs> play for for Barcelona or something. Yeah. Which is the way it is now. But yeah, no, the, the ridiculous. I mean, to what sense? At what sense? I now we're drifting off. But at what point? What does Cesc have to do exactly to convince? I mean, what is the illusion in sports journalists' heads that simply because Barcelona keeps saying it? makes it somehow compulsory. Well, he's got to go. He's got to go there, there, you know, to be mentioned again. Mm. He's definitely, he's going to go. He has to go now. What, uh, how does that work exactly? I don't know. I mean, it's it's typically Spanish the way they keep bringing it up in, in the papers over there because they have the, the newspapers dedicated to football every day. So they've got yeah. to have something to put in there. And if you have to do it every day, there's going to be a certain amount of fiction or repetition, you know. But it's the fact that they um, report everything as fact, just because That's, it's in a foreign yeah. newspaper. Well, this is because it's in a, and like even if they more than anyone should know this stuff is made up. So why mm. are we colluding and continuing to say? Because it it always found on the rock of of the reality of asking the man a question, him going no, uh, and then going oh well, you said in an interview that you had a nice time with your family last weekend when you went overseas in Spain. <laughs> Does this not mean that you want to go to Spain? Like it must drive you insane. It's one of things I've always wondered about. The reality of of sport generally versus you know how it's it's just a ridiculously over the top way that it's, that it's reported. Says a man who writes the paper. The, um, I, for example, how do we know people's pay, um, wages? Why do we know that? I don't know actually. Who, who reveals that? Why would no? You don't know my wages. I don't know your wages. Nobody knows those people's wages except you know major broadcasters perhaps um, public uh, you know pay, pay levels in, in pay grades in the civil service but why would I know what somebody gets per week <laughs> it's a good point that actually because I mean surely especially at a club like Arsenal where they're so secretive about oh, information yeah, yeah, coming out they don't say Emmanuel Adebayor has signed a new contract for £80,000 a week yeah but <laughs> yes I mean, and a friend of mine makes a very good point of why is it still a week they don't keep up at a hatch <laughs> 
I get presented with a brown envelope with the stuff in it. Like, you know, and you better sort out your emergency tax, uh, Matthew, because, you know, you're getting, you're getting done here at yeah, the there's moment. There's a couple of 20s missing here. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It, 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 why is it still done? It's this ridiculous idea that it's still a working class game, uh, for the players at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it's, oh, yeah, yeah, it's every, oh, every week. Yeah, that's what you get. When the figures are so insane. But they, I've, I've always been through with that. That's a, I've got to write a piece. I'm, I'm short of a piece for this week, so that might be. <laughs> This week's piece now. Why do right. you know so much? Well, you're living in London now, and yeah. um, I, I suppose some people might say, you know, you, you move away from Ireland because it's a much smaller country and the opportunities are are much less uh, much less great. But I mean, was it just for career, or, or was the real reason that you could go and see Arsenal every week? Listen, I, I will say this much: uh, that the first flat I ever bought. You could see Highbury from the window uh, on the Holloway Road. Now I don't live in that. Side. I live in West London now because it became. In fact, I moved to West London just before I got the season ticket because I'm one of the twenty-two thousand, which is a, yeah. a, a, ta- a tag I, I like to. You know, which no one else has ever picked up. But I'm one of the twenty thousand who got in, who were who were pushing pushing against the gate mm. uh, and got in. So the uh, but so, so now I make the long step back over the Holloway Road, despite having lived around that area for most of my time in London. Yeah, there was an element of if I'm going to live anywhere in London, let it be close, just to that sense of you know the, the atmosphere of it all, and you know. Mm. Uh, but I will say that when I came in, when I went in, I mean I was always. There were times in which, you know, probably when I was in college that I wasn't following him as avidly as other years, 1995, I don't really remember much. When I went into work, football became very important. When I got the season ticket, I went almost insane with how sort of it became. I think it's constantly on blogs and checking stuff out, like, and, you know, drip, drip, drip of news now type stuff. Like, I think I went bananas uh, with, go, with the excitement of it all. I think I may have calmed down a bit now, about four years in. A little bit. Yeah, only, only a little bit. Do you know what the, the actual thing is, is? When you finally get in to see it regularly, it's a completely different sport. Because it's not that one box moving around. You can see the movement, you can see the shape. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have a football education, which becomes very evident, I suppose, when you start writing. I, I've got to write a piece at some stage which, in which I basically go, I've done this for a few weeks now, I don't know where the hole is. <laughs> Uh, I know there's people in the hole, but I'm not strictly sure where. I, and is it near the channels? Is it left of the channels? Where, where exactly are? Somebody has to sit me down with a chalkboard because I wasn't when I was 14. I was playing hurling. Oh right. Yeah. So I didn't get that education uh, that other people got. So, uh, but until I then began to go to the matches regularly, and suddenly it's like that. You know, suddenly you're in white. Suddenly you're going, oh, he, hang on, that guy's running. Oh yeah, now I see what the hell people are talking about. You know, the, the famous example we always give is of um, what's his face's goal in, for Brazil against Italy. Um, captain, last minute, whatever, the, the fourth goal. Carlos Alberto. Oh, yes. Carlos Alberto is a fantastic punt. Where Carlos Alberto, telling us rolls the ball into empty space is my memory of it and most of his memory of it. And then from nowhere, Carlos Alberto enters <laughs> stage left uh, and then hoofs the ball into the corner. And you're going, where the hell did that come from? So obviously, at the match itself, you could see Carlos Alberto moving. You know what was happening here. Uh, there's three on two, whatever. He rolls it out, and, and, and the guy coming in from, from, the, uh, the, the, from the wing scores the goal. But if you've, been, if you've just grown up watching it on, on television, you don't see that. And suddenly going to the matches regularly, is like, Jesus, this is a whole different sport. And uh, you, you're writing for The Guardian now. Is that, um, 
you know, is, are you using that education when it, when it comes to writing things? Do you, do you find that helps when you're, um, for example, reviewing the two video games? You know, yeah, the real... yeah, 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 yeah. That was, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I took more, all of my knowledge from FIFA, although, again, <laughs> that, I, I'd offer that fuel up for people who want to think they are the, uh, but the, uh, I, I think occasionally I might be showing up, but I think it's useful, much like being, you know, the, professionally being the Irishman, being slightly foreign alien uh, is useful for me in telling gags about England. Mm. The, um, it can be useful to take a step aside. Now, the one joyous thing, and you know this from comments, God, it's a world of pain out there. Uh, <laughs> of people just level of just bile, uh, absolutely blind. How dare you say this? It's ridiculous. Mm. But it really gets me is the you can't talk because in such and such a match, such and such a year, a thing happens. So therefore, you can have no opinion about diving or whatever. Well, I think you're unfortunate in the sense of, you know, when I write on my blog, for the most part, the people that come on are, are other Arsenal fans. And, of course, yeah. there's, there's disagreements, but you're sort of set up there for uh, for all the fans of other teams. And, I mean, when you're writing throughout the season, you're going to have to, I suppose, be diplomatic and dogmatic and, and possibly even nice about other teams. Is that yeah. going to be a bit of a, a, a chore? Difficulty? Be, you know, I mean, like, I'm aware that the, uh, uh, you know, I'm also, I, you know, I also have another, I have a living as <laughs> I can't be just using it as a, you know, as, as a, I can't just be waving a giant red flag and writing about, you know, the scum uh, every, every week. Like, so, yeah, there's, there's an, a, an effort to be slightly balanced about it. Like, I mean, even when I was doing um, Adibayo, the uh, and and the great heartbreak that was the other, but or when he, I rather than just going, it was terrible. It was disgraceful. How dare he do that? Like the, uh, uh, it was more about, isn't it weird the way you love somebody and then you hate him and then it gets really ugly. Uh, and so you're trying to generalise it and find the funny in that, rather than just do six words of Adebayor as a bollocks uh, <laughs> repeatedly, which is your might was my initial take on it. Mm. So there's a lot of that kind of thing. You've got to find a clever way around it. What is amusing in one way is the fact that people who are pseudonymous, like who who, who call themselves um, Super Red 73 or whatever the hell name that they have, think that they're going to write something cutting about you. It's a, you know, an anonymous insult has carries zero weight. Yeah. But, there's a, but still people chuck them in. But it's more the fact that there's no level of empathy I mean, to pick the the Ireland match, uh, which was, uh, there were like 360 comments on a piece of the Ireland match, in which I, I didn't actually join in the course of asking for replays or castigating Henri or any of that kind of stuff. Like, I just kind of gave a kind of resigned view of it. The, um, the, and I was more pro-video refereeing, which never took off as a debate. It was just... How dare you, you Irish, typical whining, uh, didn't you once get a penalty you didn't deserve against Georgia, so therefore you don't deserve to, and that was hundreds of those, hundreds of those, and you're kind of going, that's, you know, not really, but we've all, yeah, oh, you don't, beautiful quote, you never hear the English complaining about hand of God. <laughs> that was one of the very, my favourite quotes, like, and you're going, oh man, this is great. I mean, we're fantastic, but we are we're blind, which is one of the joys. We, as football fans, are just completely blind mm. to anyone else's situation. All right, then. Well, um, Chelsea coming up this Sunday, uh, and yes. it's a, a really big, important game because of the, uh, uh, the the state of the table. They're eight points ahead as it stands, although we do have a game in hand. Um, are you confident that we can do it, especially without, let's say, Bentner and Robin Van Persie, who are big guys, and Chelsea are a big physical team full of big 
bollockses, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're a yeah. bit small, aren't we? We are small, we're, we're, and we're getting smaller and smaller as, as time goes by. It seems to be just breeding them tinier and tinier. The, um, I'm not necessarily confident, uh, irritatingly, particularly because I, I thought at least um, that it would all be balanced out by the fact that Lampard would be playing, but apparently mm. he is now. And he got placenta, um, like Van Persie, but his, his appears to have worked. Oh, really? He yeah. did the centre thing as well. Yeah. The centre thing is nonsense of the highest order. The, yeah. uh, my other great passion is debunking nonsense like that, and I've got to leave the centre off for a few weeks until it does the job with Robin. But she's gone done a runner, apparently. Yeah, yeah. The last Serbian alternative um, therapist to have made the news was, if I'm not mistaken, either Slobodan Milosevic or Radovan Karadic, <laughs> who had hidden after war crimes um, as, a, as an alternative healer. Because frankly, I'm not, you know, holding out much hope, and I would, I would do a, a much more stringent background check on all the Not much of a track record there. No, not is it? So, um, but uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'm very worried about it. I mean, we do, we need to win. I mean, if we lose, we're eleven points back. The game in hand thing is just kind of, I know, and I know the game in hand is against Bolton at home. So at least mm-hmm. we know what the game in hand is, and we know that we should, we should win it. But we've. You know, I mean, the last couple of results have seen us slip back uh, irritatingly from a point where we were could have been nominally top of the table mm. um, a few weeks ago, which I would have enjoyed enormously. In fact, we would have been top of the table. There's one point where we would have been top of the table because we had a 12 o'clock match. When was that one? Just after West Ham. Right. Had we got the win against West Ham, had we won the following day, we would have been, top, we would have been able to do that chant at the end of the match. <laughs> uh, and instead... We drew against West Ham, and then we're two points off, and then it all. And since then, you know. But uh, God, we're almost out of November. That's that is one thing to hold to. I just, I am very worried about this. You know, I mean, yeah. literally, they, they they turned around this time last year in almost exactly the same fixture. But um, RVP was was playing that day and was very very good that day. Um, I'm glad Denilson's back. I have to say, Denilson's song and Seth, I'm very happy that of the midfield. Good goal the other night from Denilson as well. Fantastic goal, mm. yeah. I mean, Jammy, Jammy is fuck like. Um, huge, great, swirling toe poke of a kick. But the, uh, but uh, and every replay, in every replay, it seemed to twist in a different axis. Um, it was shot it from above, it seemed to go up and down, shot it from they went left and right in another angle. It was, it was quite impressive. But Arson said that was because of his Brazilian ankles. He's got Brazilian ankles, whatever that means. They well, must be like so uh, one guy's got a chocolate leg, and he's got Brazilian ankles. <laughs> the, uh, and yeah, and this is all you've got fucking marmalized foot kids, um, which is a horrendous. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And this fucking challenge. They got really, they got really snippy towards the end. Yeah. Um, Liege. They were going in for everything. And you could see something like that was going to happen. Like the, uh, I haven't seen the replay of the Sesk thing to see what it was like close up. But just for the last half an hour, they knew they were out. Or they knew they were certainly out of that game. And they just started kicking out. It was, mm. it was bizarre. We do, yeah. yeah, we do get a bit unfortunate with injuries as well, don't we? Yeah, we, we, we're not blessed with it. Again, you know, this might be just a lack of perspective that a fan of one club has. I'm sure the clubs would make the same complaint. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we're epically, we were epically bad last year when we lost Seth and Robin. But the, mm. uh, um, yeah, it, but, and then we lost Terry and Terry before that and Robin. It, just, it has been ridiculous. But the, um, this one, yeah, I mean, particularly when we lose it, at the position that we think we keep turning them out in, which is left back. <laughs> so you've lost two left backs. So you've lost one left back, et cetera, et cetera, but you've lost two. Is, you know, and Traore, I'm massively not sure about. Mm. Yes, I would share your your reservations there. The squad, the squad in general. How do you how do you see it come January? Would you like to see him put his hand in his pocket? And if so, where would you like to see someone come in? At the moment, I, I, the only place I could think would be uh, as a cover for Gal Gallison from Brown. The um, I'm saying that with the injuries, even at left back that we have, I am generally relatively happy. I sat down at the start of the season and tried to count them off, and realized that we essentially have two players for every position, um, and particularly in the four three three where we have a block of six or seven midfielders and a block of six or seven attackers. I'm relatively happy with that. I'd love, to, I'd love our first seven to be up for, for Sunday, but generally I'm relatively happy with that. But either Gals or Ramalan gets injured. Uh, I mean, wh- what happened to Zendros? Where's he? Don't know. I Don't mean, know. you know, like he was once a great white hope and now is not even making the bench in front of Sylvester. I mean, that's not... That's no, that's awful. that's not. Uh, that can't be doing much good for his confidence either. I mean, if there I was somebody gone, better I mean, than Sylvester, but yeah, I know. I'm um, God, God love it. Sylvester's in the worst. I see his position. He's terrible. And the, I mean, there is a point to be made for all of our talk about Vermaal uh, and how much more comfortable Gallus is. We're still shipping goals at, at the same rate we always were. Mm. We just happen to be knocking a four in a four match in on the other end, so we're doing okay. We, we, it, it gets covered up, but the uh, but I'm not entirely sure it's working back there. This is a, this is the one match I think in which we might be exposed by. It. Yeah, well, you see what happens when we didn't score against Sunderland last yeah, weekend, and, and they get the and, one chance and they yeah, score, and then exactly. we're Vela is the big enigma for me at the moment. Yeah, uh, because you fancy him? I, I enormously love him. Think he's fantastic. He could be glorious, but at the same time, beginning to have that sneaking thing of. Oh, this isn't working out, is it? Mm. So yeah, he's not quite there. He's running around a lot, but he's running. He's, he's attempting to run in, in between five defenders, like a suddenly hair off and then take a left where he should have gone right, and suddenly he's and he's calling for the ball. And you know, how do you expect it to get to you? The, uh, there's nine of them between you and the guy with the ball. Like, so he's, <laughs> um, and and this competitive, this measured, composed finishing that we've seen him do before against, admittedly, Paddy Kenny. But we've seen him do it before. Um, it just doesn't seem to be appearing. He, like he goes down very, very quickly when he's in the uh, when he's in the league. All right. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll leave football talk there. Just one final thing. Obviously, yeah. you've got a you've got a book out uh, at the moment and, and coming up to Christmas. People need books. Uh, people it's called. Do need, but people need gifts for people they're not sure who to buy gifts for. Yes, and I books are the obvious ones. Yes, yeah. uh, it's called Tickling the English. Just give us a, a little bit about what it's about. 
Uh, basically, I, I, I do these massive tours around the UK, doing stand-up tours, and this is one of those tours last year. And while on it, decided to have a little bit of exploration around the different uh, the towns that I went to. It's kind of a tour diary and travelogue, a bit like Bill Bryson, a bit like you know Paxman's view of England, but in a much more contemporary kind of a way. And from that, then I jump off and tell funny stories of things that happen in the show during the shows, or things that happen in the tour in general. So it rollicks along. It's a great old read. Uh, I'm very happy with this, to be honest. The, uh, Even if you do say so so long since I wrote, read the thing and he wrote it uh, that I'm already in my head ready for the next tour. So it kind of feels like the, the, the chronicle of last year's tour. But it's going very well. It's going very, like I'm, I'm, and I'm very, very happy with this. But this, the whole aim of this was not necessary, by the way, to plug a book. No, of uh, course this not. Was just, just two gooners shooting the shit Absolutely. Uh, about the team. That's yeah, all that was. But I mean, I would expect in similar circumstances you to allow me the chance to promote my book were of I to course. have one. You know. Of course. Have you a book out? No, I don't. <laughs> but given, given the chance, I, listen, I have no doubt. If I will I say this, though. A complete stranger came up to me not long ago, and we were just chatting. And turned out, he's, oh, you're a gooner. Oh, my God. Yeah, how you find the moment? Oh, you know. Oh, the interlola. I hate that. A guy I'd never met before. <laughs> I didn't know him. You have added something to the language, my friend. Yeah, it's good, that. It's, yeah. it's everywhere. I'm quite proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, we better leave it there. Darrow Breen, thank you very much. And that's your pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Dara O'Brien, thank you very much to him. Uh, very generous with his time and uh, very patient with a couple of telephonic mishaps uh, at the start and in the middle of that, but it wasn't any big problem to him. He is on tour as well around the UK. Uh, all the dates and venues and what have you are on his website, which is daraobrien.com. And if you don't know how to spell that, just put it into Google phonetically and it'll bring you uh, the right result, which is fantastic. The awesome power of the internet. It can make Irish language accessible to everyone. Brilliant. Can't argue with that. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to Chelsea and uh, finding out a bit more about Chelsea fans in a little bit. Right now, though, Sylvester. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. You know, it looks as if I'm not playing the game on Sunday against Chelsea. William Gallas, he has this problem with his eye. And if he can't see, then he can't play. I will take my place in the center of defense, and I know many Arsenal fans might be a bit worried, but I can reassure you that I will give everything to win the game. I will be strong and powerful. I mean, the last thing I want is to be chased around and then shafted by Didier Drogba. Yes, that is the last thing I want. Open! More Sylvester on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, uh, this week, what happened? Well, other stuff was uh, Sanchez Watt extending his contract following in the footsteps of Eduardo, who extended his contract last week. And uh, also Alex Song uh, put pen to paper and extended his contract too. And I think it's fair to say that Song has probably been the most improved player I've ever seen. Certainly this year. Um, Maybe... Maybe. I'm not, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody here, but Song certainly improved towards the end of last season, but maybe now you look at a footballer that's more focused, more in tune with what it takes to be uh, a top-class player. And whether that has anything to do with the departure of another very tall African guy, I, I'm only speculating. 
but there were some suggestions that there was a bit of a, a party thing going on with Adi Bayor and Song is still only a young man. I know he's he's got kids and a wife, so he, he can't be on too long of a leash, but maybe he was impressionable to a more tall African guy. And without this more tall African guy, he's been able to concentrate on his football a bit more. I'm just throwing it out there. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he has become a very important part of the team, and uh, fair play to him. He's got a new contract, and let's hope he can keep it up. Eduardo got a new contract, and I think Eduardo needs to score some goals. Starting Sunday would be a very, very good idea against Chelsea. Some team news on that still to come, as well as your chance to win a Savile Rogue scarf, and I'll give you the winner of last week's competition as well. Now, though, um, Chelsea fans. I mean, how can they... How can they support Chelsea when everybody else looks in Chelsea and goes, and then after you do that, you've got that taste. You know when you do a burp and a bit of sick comes up into your mouth? That's what happens to a normal person when they consider supporting Chelsea. So why can Chelsea fans do it? With me to discuss the matter is our uh, resident professor, Dr. Godfrey Twatchuk. Dr. Godfrey, welcome to the Arscast. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be back on your show. Oh, very good to have you back on the show indeed. Now, uh, as Arsenal fans, we're we're used to being correct and right uh, and having made good choices in life. And, and for us, it's very difficult to look at, you know, Chelsea fans and wonder how is it they, they can view Chelsea and see these people that are wearing their shirts and, and not be uh, disgusted by this essentially an abomination of nature. What's going on? Well, I think the very first thing that we need to stress is that people, normal people, I should say, have a natural aversion to the color blue. For example, if we go back to the 1980s and take that terrible, terrible band, Deacon Blue. I mean, they were just awful. And they had a ship called Dignity, apparently. I mean, who gives a good goddamn what their ship was called? It could be called Big Hairy Bollocks, for all I care. The fact is, nobody liked them. And the reasons are twofold. Firstly, because their music was terrible, but more importantly, because they had the word blue in their name. Now, another example. I had a teddy when I was growing up. He was called Bluey, and I called him that because he was blue. Now, he had the deadest, most soulless eyes you ever saw in your life. I had to have years of therapy from the nights I would wake up and I'd see him staring at me. There was eyes glistening in the moonlight. It was awful. And then you have people feeling blue, for example, and that is not a good feeling. So all these blue associations are negative. In fact, the only cultural reference we could find to blue that people found in any way positive was Betty Blue. And that's because she was, you know, naked all the time and quite hot and had a marvellous bush. Anyway, I'm straying from the point. We did some research. We needed to find out why it was that Chelsea fans were not averse to the colour blue like normal people. So we rounded some up and we took skin samples and hair samples and sent off DNA and did biological and genealogical testing. Once we got that information, you see, we got it all together and fed it into our supercomputer. Sadly, due to budgetary cutbacks, our supercomputer has been moved to Bangladesh, so it took some time for that information to come back to us. We collated all those reports and, in the end, it became quite clear to us why it was that normal people hate Chelsea and Chelsea fans don't. 
And uh, what is the reason? Well, it's because they're cunts. You know, I love science. How can you argue with science? Uh, Dr. Godfrey Twitch, thank you very much indeed. Blended to be here. Until next time. Ta-ta. You know, in order to be able to hate something properly, you need to understand it. Right? Otherwise, it's just a bit rednecky, isn't it? A bit Sarah Palin. I don't like it because it's different. Look, it's a different color. Look, it smells funny. Oh, look how many limbs it's got that I don't have. Look, it says words that I don't understand. What does that mean? Thesaurus? What's that? No. Now we've got the scientific explanation and everybody can direct their ire correctly and with knowledge at those Chelsea fans. Our uh, team news ahead of the weekend, of course, Gibbs is out. We know that. Uh, Nobody else is coming back as far as I know. Uh, William Gallus is a doubt, a big question mark, Arsene says, and that's at Thursday night. I know you're listening to this Friday, but obviously you're not listening to it live. So this was recorded Thursday night, and William Gallus is a doubt because he's still got a big swollen eye, like a prize fighter. Uh, And he needs contact lenses, and he can't get his contact lenses in because his eye won't open. So uh, obviously they're going to have him on a very, very strict a medical regime over the weekend, he is going to be lying down with bags of bird's eye peas over his eyes for the entire weekend. Um, so you have to hope that he's going to be fit because, you know, I don't want to see Sylvester at center half and we don't know where Senderos is. And, you know, I'm a Senderos fan. I like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's been a bit unfortunate and what have you. But, you know, if you ask me, do I really, really, really want him to play against Drogba again. I'm not sure that I do. Not tomorrow, or Sunday anyway. Uh, It's a big, big game. A big, 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 big game. And then next week, of course, we've got uh, Carling Cup action in midweek against Manchester City. We travel to the Middle East lands and uh, two of our star midfielders could be missing. Jack Wilshire has got a recurrence of his ankle problem, which is a, a real shame because we haven't seen enough of him this season. We were hoping to see him in the last round, but he got injured. And Fran Morita was sent off in midweek, scorer of that great goal against Liverpool. He was sent off during the week uh, in a reserve game against Aston Villa for a scuffle with Fabian Delph. Delph is a useless surname when you think about it. It's like being called Bob Crockery. And who would pay any attention to someone called Bob Crockery? Not me, I can tell you that. So, anyway, remember, Sunday, they're coming to our stadium. Them. Lampard, who has recovered from an injury which everyone said was going to keep him out. Apparently, apparently he went for the placenta treatment, as we are speaking with Darrell O'Brien about earlier. But I can reveal, having just got some first-hand information that it went a step further. Lampard, in order to recover, had to have fresh cunt rubbed all over his injury. Seriously. Ashley Cole wasn't happy, but it seems to have done the trick, so he could play. So Lampard will be there. Ashley Cole will be there. Drogba will be there. Anelka will be there. John Terry will be there. They'll all be there. In our stadium, polluting the pure greenness of our pitch with their essence, their blueness. 
So as a crowd, if you're going, remind them what you think of them. Remind them that science tells you that they are cons, and that Arsenal naturally are not cons. We need a big, big performance on Sunday. I'm really hopeful. Really hopeful. Because I think it could be almost like a stepping stone. A kind of kick forward. After a while, you go up, you go up, you plateau, and then you need something to kick you on again. And I'm hoping this Sunday is going to be that. Because if we win this game, if we win our game in hand against Bolton, two points is the only difference. Two points is nothing in November. Nothing. However, 11 points, even with a game in hand, is a lot. Maybe too much. So this is a game we cannot afford to lose. It's a little bit similar to the Manchester United game last season. Just before we lost to to City and we lost to Aston Villa, we had this game because I think we'd lost to Hull and we'd lost to Stoke, was it, not too long previously. And then we had that performance at home when Nasri scored those two goals. And it was, you know, it's like, yes, this team can do something. And then, of course, it all went tits up, but never mind. You get the feeling that this team, if they beat Chelsea, will, will kick on from there. So keep all your fingers crossed, all of them, if you wouldn't mind. Now, final thing before we go, this week is uh, Savile Rogue Scarf time. A chance to win one and the winner of last week's. Last week's question was um, something like, uh, which Arsenal player ran the length of the pitch to score a goal against Spurs and ran the other length of the pitch to go and celebrate in front of them? The baying horde of mingers. And the answer, of course, was Thierry Henry. Uh... A lot of talk about him last week. Funnily enough, seems to have died down this week. Uh, the winner of last week's scarf was Paul Evans. Well done to you, Paul. I'll be in touch. We'll get that scarf out to you as soon as possible. To win a scarf this week, all you have to do is answer this question. Uh, earlier on, Dara O'Brien said he played a particular sport rather than football as a younger man. It's an Irish sport. What was it? Very simple. If you've heard the interview, you'll know exactly what it was. If you haven't heard the interview, then... What are you doing at this part of the Arscast? So what sport did Darrow Breen play? Answer, please, to competition at arsblog.com. That is competition at arsblog.com. Winner on next week's Arscast. And don't forget, until December the 6th, you can get yourself a 10% discount on a Savile Rogue Scarf uh, by using the code arsblog when you check out. So that's use the code arsblog at savilrogue.com. That's savile-rogue.com. The best football scarves you will find anywhere. Uh, so your chance to win one and your chance to buy one at a cheaper price than anybody else. How can you say fairer than that? You just can't. So that's it. Um, here's to a big, big win on Sunday. A, a smiting of the minging horrible cunts. Uh, and us going closer to the top of the table and everything staying good and rosy and uh, the alternative doesn't really bear thinking about. So until next week's Arscast, take it easy. Talk to you all week on the blog and, of course, on next week's show. All right then. Bye-bye.
Ah, hello, uh, David O'Leary here, and nice to be back on the Arscast. I have to say, the good old listen there, as we say, to uh, Darrell O'Brien, and he was talking about the uh, night that he had the pleasure of meeting me. And as we say, you know, it was a good old night. I had to set him straight about Sammy Nelson, and to be fair to Derek, uh, I don't think he'll be making that mistake again. But we had a good old chat about football, as we say, and uh, and comedy. And uh, a lot of people thought back in the day that it was Steve Gatting that was the big comedy man in the Arsenal dressing room. But it was, as we say, uh, me. I was the joker in the pack. And uh, nowadays it's all a bit flat. You don't have your O'Leary's or your David O'Leary's or your spiders in the dressing room anymore. And uh, as we say, I was happy to give him a bit of advice, you know. A few, as we say, uh, pointers in the right direction uh, for his stage show, which, as we say, is very good. But uh, if you've got the chance to talk to a comedy genius like myself, as we say, then you'd be mad to turn it down. And uh, I told him my my favourite joke, uh, which is, uh, why don't you borrow, uh, as we say, money off a leprechaun? And the answer is, of course, that they're always, as I say, a little bit short. <laughs> ah, I laughed. Ah, he laughed too. He said he'd use it in the show. And uh, so I say, yeah, uh, why wouldn't he? I mean, I'm David O'Leary. So I am. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 